Today is Sunday, November 19th, 2017. The title of today's sermon is We're Still Here. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, We're Still Here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Let's get right in the Word because that is the thing that changes, that revives, that strengthens our very soul. Amen. Matthew chapter 16. This is going to be an incredible day because the Spirit of God is with us and He has made us victorious. Amen. Amen. I want to take just a few moments to recap a few points from some of our uh, preceding sermons. And we have such good sermons here. Sometimes it's important for us to go back and make sure that we have uh, gotten all the meat off the bones from those things. Amen. In Matthew 16, let's start in verse 13. Are you, are you there with me today? It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. <laughs> We're not even sure, just kind of very prophetic, right? But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father and heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. We talked in this sermon on the message called offensive convictions. We learned that revelation from the heavens the debar in our leave, the Word of God in our hearts, revealed from Him, is what builds within us our deep convictions. Amen? Yes. Anybody need some strengthening in your convictions? Anybody getting your convictions built up? This is the bedrock from which our faith is made solid. It's made secure. And it's made where we can damage the kingdom of the enemy. Amen? And the sermon called Haas. Come on, Haas. Pastor Eric so clearly laid out the idea that I do not want to want to sin. Amen. Anybody heard that last week? Come on, I wasn't even here. Are you with me today? Yeah. I wasn't here. I made sure that I listened to it because I got blessed by that. Amen. I don't even want to want to sin. The discipline, the discipleship that the Lord has given this church is in fact to move the mandates and motivation from external sources to internal sources. Isn't that what we preached about? He read out of Jeremiah 31, talking about how the Lord would write His very laws upon our hearts. That it would be taught to us from the inside coming out. Amen. Come on, we don't want you to simply survive your life with ongoing wounds. We don't want you to simply be... We want you to be healed and victorious in everything that you do. I wrote down a quote from you, Pastor, last week. It said this, To be a hoss, to be in the same manner or in the same way as our Master... Jesus was not walking around managing his sinful desires. He was literally crucified to them. How about you today? Amen. You allowing the Lord to put these things to death inside of you? We're not, we're not a group of people who are going to manage our sin, are we? We're not just going to manage things to, to keep them hidden from the rest of us. What we're doing is we're putting them to, to death. Amen? Amen? For the message entitled, Franchising Faithlessness. Uh, do you have a slide back there for us, Joy? Can you just put this slide up on the screen? Man, that was Wednesday night. Come on, we got all kind of stuff going on there. I want you to make sure, we're going to add this to, to this sermon and we'll add it back to last sermon so that you can have a PDF version of these 12 things that Pastor ended the sermon with. They were always going to have faith. We're always going to place faith above fear. 
What we talked about was making sure that those idolatrous altars in our life don't create something in us that has to be removed like that. We want to be moving forward in the righteousness that God provides. As we move forward today, i got to tell you this. I'm very excited. I am extremely excited. The Lord's been laying this on my heart, this message on my heart since Wednesday night. It's one of those messages we got together this morning. I had mighty men of God surrounding me this morning. And I was like, guys, the truth is, is I already have too many scriptures. I've already got too much. I mean, we're going we're gonna to try to put this thing together, but I got too much already because the Lord has been laying something on my heart. Would you turn with me to Psalm 24? On Wednesday night, a particular passage of scripture captured my heart during the worship time. And uh, I want to acknowledge ahead of time as we are turning to Psalm 24. Ibrahim, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you hearing from the Lord this morning. And, and this will make more sense here as we read this passage of Scripture. Psalm 24, incredible passage. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Incredible passage. I want you to see what it's starting off with. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? You know, it's God's desire that we ascend His hill. It's God's desire that we stand in the holy place. He who has clean hands. Come on, do you have clean hands today? You should. You can have clean hands today. You can have it today. This is not something that you have to wait for and it's a far off, it's across the sea, it's up in heaven somewhere. Today, my friend, you can have clean hands. What else does it say? And a pure heart. Come on, you can have that today. You can have it today because the Lord is going to grant it to you. He who does, uh, who does not lift his soul... To an idol, no extra altars in our life, just the right altar, or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord. Everybody say, receive blessing. And receive vindication from God as Savior. Savior. Vindication. Anybody ever need to be vindicated before? Anybody ever falsely accuse you of something and you have to stand there and just take it? You can't, even, you, can't even make your, you can't even make your defense. But you know what the Word of God says? That the kind, of, the kind of victory that God gives, He says, we will receive that from the Lord. Who do you want to receive your vindication from? Do you want to receive it from your family? No. Oh, man, I, I'm not going to compromise to receive it from my family. You want to receive it from, uh, from your neighbors, from your coworkers? How about we receive it from the Lord Amen. Himself? Yes. Come on, that's the kind of vindication that no one can take from you. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. That's interesting. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Why? That the King of glory may come in. You ever watch someone walk around with just too many burdens on them? Yes. Do you see people walking around with too many burdens? Are they like this? If you look, somebody walking around like this, you're going to go, man, that dude is burdened. You know, great, great sense of uh, prophetic voice upon you. You're like, yeah, what do you, why? Because they're up, they're, they're high, they have their head held high. What does it look like when we have a burdened spirit about us? Uh, it, it crumples us. Yeah. I'm going to use that as, I'm just yeah. going to make that, pretend like that's correct English. It crumples us, doesn't it? The Bible speaks of things in Zephaniah. Why do you let your hands, hang, your hands hang limp? What are you looking at? You're looking at your ground. You're looking at the feet. You're looking at your problems right in front of you. What does this passage say? Lift up your head, O you gates. Amen. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Yes. Come on, this is a word that in the middle of worship, this is what kept resonating in my spirit. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Come on, be lifted up, you ancient doors. Why? 
so we can feel better that our head is held high. No, no. That the king of glory may come in. May come in where? <laughs> Through the gate that you've just lifted up. Yes. Through the doorway that you've just cleared for him. Ibrahim read a passage of scripture from John 10, and he talked about Jesus said, I am the gate. Amen. You got to lift up. Come on, guys. This is kind of a service today. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that you need to lift up your heads, Amen. that you need to lift up the gates in your life, that you need to lift up these doors. Why? So that the king of glory, this is not a small thing that I'm asking for you. This is not a small thing that I'm demanding of you today. I'm telling you that the word of the Lord for this church, praise God on other churches. I'm going to tell you about this church. I'm sitting here waiting as pastor's about to pray over the kids. You know what I'm doing? I'm looking out across you, across this audience, and I'm moved in my soul. Yes. I'm like, God, I love these people. God, I love this church. What an incredible thing. I can look out, and I'm not just guessing at who you are. I know your stories. I know what this year has been like. I know what these weeks have been like for you. And you know what I'm saying? Lift up your heads, O oh, you gates. Yes. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may flood in may rush in, may overwhelm you with His presence. You know what will change everything about you? Standing in God's presence. I can feel His approval upon us today. I can feel His presence with, with us now. Are you going to raise up? Are you going to lift up your heads or not today? Because the King of glory will come in if you do it. And He is not a respecter of persons that He's looking to bless one of us in this place and not another. Every man, woman, child in this room can lift up the gates of our heart, can lift up that which we want unto the Lord, and He will flood into your life. Many of you, most of the people in this room, I can feel that you're already with me. I'm telling you that there are some who don't quite believe that. You actually think that your circumstances, that your relationship with your husband or your wife that your situation in your job, that your finances, that whatever promise that God has given you that has not yet been fulfilled, there's something about it. I'm telling you, there's a seed inside of you. For some of it's more than a seed, is truthfully. It's a gate that's been padlocked and you're not ready to raise it up to the Lord yet. Lift up your heads, O oh you gates. Amen. Be lifted up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come into what we are doing today, that He will flood in your life. Amen. Church, I want to tell you that it's time to lift up our heads, to be lifted up, that the King of glory come in. I believe that it's time for us to walk in a victorious, overcoming attitude, yes. full of the Spirit of God, full of power, and full of deep conviction. <laughs> Brother Alex, you encouraged us. I listened back to the message, God bless our hot mess. Was that the right title? Did I get it right? Man... <laughs> Aren't y'all blessed? Just Alex just showing up somewhere blesses you, doesn't it? Yeah. Goodness gracious. I'm never disappointed when I talk to Alex, when I hear Alex present the word and teach us in such an incredible manner, I am moved. You know what he was talking to us about in that message? We have to get heaven's perspective in our circumstances. That's all I'm trying to do. Alex, that was a great word. I appreciate that. Do you have heaven's perspective today? Can you look at me and tell me that you have heaven's perspective, that you lifted up your eyes and you see what God is seeing? That your, your perception is, in fact, from the heavens. If you don't right now at this moment, my prayer is that by the end of the day, you'll be locked in to what God is saying, to what He's feeling, to what He's seeing, and what He's trying to encourage you with today. As a matter of fact, just look at your neighbor and say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year! 
Pastor, it, it's November 19th. Yeah, I'm just calling it. I don't feel like waiting until January 1st to have a new year. We're going we're to we're do... I know we hadn't got to Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm just calling it a new year. I'm just going to go ahead and call it the fact that whatever was this past year, whatever struggles, whatever difficulties, I'm just going to say it. Guess what? It's a new year, my friends. Amen. You didn't know a pastor had that authority, did you? I'm taking it today, though. For whatever you've been through, if, if Rosh Hashanah was sometime in the middle of September, I'm just going well, to point back to there and say, yeah, they said it was a new year anyway. Right? When I was a school teacher, we'd have a new year in August. If you're a financial person, the end of June or beginning in July could give you a new year. I'm just going to say November 19th, new year for us. Amen. If the Lord's mercies can be made new every day, if we could go ahead and hit that reset button, how about we just hit it and move on? Because God is doing something in our midst today, my friends. Let Him encourage you today with the very Word. Let Him encourage you with the Spirit. I feel Him. I feel Him moving today. Do you feel it? Can you feel Him moving inside of you? Because it's Happy New Year. Husbands, lean over. Just kiss your wife right on the mouth. Just, come on, Happy New Year. Come on. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Come on, let's turn to Genesis 32, my friends. Genesis 32. <laughs> As we turn to Genesis 32, I want to consider, I want us to consider our founding fathers of the faith. Abraham was giving a powerful promise from the Lord, wasn't he? I mean, we've studied that extensively in this church. A heptatic blessing. There are multiple times that the Lord says it. A promise that still moves us today. He was promised that God would bless him and make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Come on, somebody say the stars. The stars. And as the sand on the seashore. Everybody say the sand. sand. That's a lot. Come on now. You even worry about counting the stars? How can you even calculate what that is? There are astronomers that try to do that for you. They try to calculate. I'd rather just say it's so many. It's a waste of my time to even try to figure out what it might be. Come on, it's a waste of time for you to try to figure out how deep and how precious his promises are. You just got to understand that they're overwhelming. He was promised that he would take possession of the cities of his enemies because of his obedience. The NIV says cities. Everybody say cities. Cities. You know what that word really is in the Hebrew? It's gates. Why? Why can you say, why is that an appropriate translation? Because if I say gates of a city, what happens? I'm saying that if you conquered the gates, that you conquered the whole thing. What did Samson do? They were, trying to, they were trying to remove Samson from where he was. What did he do? He took the city gates, boom, walked it up on a hill and faced it towards Hebron. <laughs> That's a whole message in itself. What did he do? He took the gates showing, what you got? Because I just took your gates. In other words, I took the symbol of power from you. You can't do anything about it. So when we go back to Matthew 16 for a second, and we get that the gates of hell will not prevail, what are we saying? We're saying that the kingdom of darkness cannot prevail against us. If the gates can't do it, if the gates can't stop us, then nothing you've got inside of that can stop us. Come on, you're going to put all your forces at the gates. You know why? Because if you lose the gate, you've lost the city. (laughs) My friends, 
Let's lift up our gates. Amen. Let's have our ancient doors arise so that the king of glory may come in because when he moves upon us, come on, he's promised us victory. Yes. He's saying that the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Amen. What are the gates that are standing before you today? What areas do you need to conquer and the God has you at the gates of it? I don't know. Is it a restored relationship in your home? Uh, by the way, I'm just going to tell you as your pastor, I, I could go around right now and I could point to the people who are struggling in your own home. I could do it, not because I've heard rumors, not because I've heard stories, because I can feel it in the room. How about you let that be a gate that you can raise up to the Lord and let the King of glory come into that situation? Amen. Raise, it up. raise it up. As we're going, as we're in Genesis 32, I want to remind you about Isaac. He was given the same kind of promise. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you, the Lord says. I will bless you and increase your number. In Genesis 32, let's take a look at verse 12. Are you there with me? Yes. So we've talked about Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. In 32, 12, it says this. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Isn't it interesting? If you see every time that God is reminding either Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob of this promise, it kind of morphs just a little bit depending on who he's talking to. Stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. This is kind of an abridged version. He's saying, yeah, just go ahead and count the grains of sand if you can. In other words, yeah, you're not going to do that either. He's going to remind him. Now let's look down in verse 26. Are you there with me? Genesis 32:26. This is Jacob wrestling with God. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. <laughs> but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? You think that this man, this angel, didn't know his name? What has defined you in the past? What is your name? What's your character? What are you all about, JJ? Somebody coming up and asking you, what is your name? He's saying, yeah, I want to remind you of something. Because Jacob means supplanter, deceiver. What's your name again? What were you before? Huh. But he replied, um, I'm sorry, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Come on, when we lift up our gates, you know what happens? We get to have a new character that's instilled in us. Man, I was talking with a brother this week, and we were talking about, hey, just where were you three years ago? If you were under this kind of pressure three years ago, what would you have done? The response from my brother was, yeah, it wouldn't have been nice. It wouldn't have been pretty. I'd have probably run away under this much stress. And now what's happening? Overcoming, victorious, righteousness, struggling, but winning. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Wow. You like that name? That's a name that we still say today. That's a place that we just visited. There's something important about this kind of a name change from the heavens. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. How about we start allowing the victories that God gives us, the fact that we have struggled and overcome. There's something about enduring in the faith. Sometimes I think we should redefine victory as to say the list of things that I have endured and can still stand. Come on now. Come on now. Are you still standing today? I, I mean, you're here, right? 
Some of us may feel like we're limping along, but you're here. You, you're not limping along. You can walk in the power and the, re- the resurrection power that Christ has for you. Sometimes we miss great victories that are right, present in our lives just because we f- forget that we're still here. Come on, say, somebody say, we're still here. Come on, say it again. We're still here. Is that a victory or not? Man, when you get in a fight, the fact that you can even stand up and walk away, sometimes you've got to count that as a victory. <laughs> if the odds are high enough, if the foe is strong enough, if the odds are stacked against you enough, the fact that you can still be here and raise your hands in the middle of a service, you know what that's doing? You're saying, Lord, you have victory in store for me. I'm going to lift up my head. I'm going to lift up these gates. And there is victory because I'm still here. Come on, somebody say, we're still here. Can you feel it in your soul? Some of us still haven't gotten it yet. I can feel the excitement in the room. I feel like more and more people, each and every verse we're reading, a few more of you are like, yeah, maybe so. Everybody else seems kind of excited. I'm not quite sure yet. Amen. We're going to keep going. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against you. You know why? Because you're going to still be here. You're going to still keep going. You're going to still persevere in what God has said. I can assure you, <coughs> excuse me, I can assure you that there are many who have fallen by the wayside, who may cling to everything else other than the way of life that Scripture has given to us. But if, you'll, if you're still here, you're already victorious. Amen. We, just turned, we just returned from a life-changing trip to Israel. Golly. We're going to start doing some trips as a church. In the years ahead, we're going to go, and it's going to change your life. We're actually going to start talking about it in a few in a few weeks by the new year. We're going to start talking to you about our, our plans for missions, by the way. We're going to start talking to you about some of the things that God has in store. We have an Acts class coming up in January. Come on, the Lord is going to... There is victory that's in store for us. I got to watch a uh, documentary last night. I rented a documentary, and it was about Israel. And the moderator for the documentary was Benjamin Netanyahu. I was like, oh, the prime minister is giving a tour, right? It's incredible. The prime minister of Israel was standing on Masada. It's a, it's a mountainous uh, hilltop about 1,400 feet above the, the floor below it. <laughs> now think about this. At Masada in 73 AD, there were 900 Jews that lost their life as the Romans decided that conquering Jerusalem and desolating Jerusalem wasn't enough. They heard of almost a thousand people that retreated to an old King Herod fortress and decided, you know what, it's not enough to just destroy the temple in in Jerusalem. It's not enough to just desecrate the people here. We're going to go get every last one of you guys. They went up to Masada and built a siege ramp that took months and months and months to build. And then they pierced the gates of Masada. You know what I found very interesting? As the Prime Minister of Israel was standing on Masada, reminding us of the history of Masada? (laughs) Uh, They're still there. (laughs) The people that they tried to crush and kill, let's see, uh, Rome's language? Dead. It's an academic language at this point. Romans emperors? All dead. 
their sickly religion that they have in, in, and put on the world. Dead. Walking dead. Rome's capital, everything about it. Rome's capital now has some effeminate, pluralistic, satanic head of a religious organization. But that's sure in a, in a real church. It's dead. The people that they tried to crush, full of life. Yeah. Hebrew language, alive. Amen. The Hebrew people, alive. Amen. The nation of Israel, alive. Yeah. Come on now. There's something to be said for still being here, isn't it? Boy, I thought about Jerusalem. I, I want to read this to you. Jerusalem, the city, has had 118 recorded conflicts. It's been destroyed completely at least twice. By the way, we can read about those in the Word, right? We know about those. Besieged 23 times. Everybody say besieged. besieged. That's just a good word. I just, I just wanted you to say it. Attacked an additional 52 times. Captured and recaptured 44 times. Been the scene of 20 revolts. Innumerable riots. And innumerable acts of violence in our modern day. So the city of peace, who's been around for millennia, has had some difficulties. But you know what? It's still there. Amen. You, know, you know what you can walk around when you go to Jerusalem? You can go walk around the Jewish quarter. You can go find the remnants of all kind of amazing things. You could see Absalom's monument that we read about in the Word. Zechariah's tomb. You can see the golden gates of mercy on the east side that are all stopped up because they think they're going to stop our, the, a Messiah from coming through with, with a few rocks. Come on now. There's something to be said about still being here. You know, why? Because we serve a God who does the same thing, doesn't he? They falsely accused him. They beat him. They killed him. What does that... He's still here, folks. Come on, what have you been beaten with lately? What has tried to take your joy? What has tried to take your very life? Are you still here? Then he can do something with you. Wow, come on now. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Come on, we're still here. We're still here, folks. There's a resiliency that's rising in my heart for this group of people. We're still here. But I haven't seen the promise yet fulfilled. Yeah, but I'm still here. I'm going to lift up these gates. I'm going to lift up these ancient doors that the king of glory may come in because I'm still here. I just haven't quit. His victorious spirit is in me even when I don't realize it. I mean, it is helping me to exist. I'm amazed that Chris Riazora is still here. I'm amazed that Lighthouse is just now getting here. <laughs> Come on now. Where are you at in your life? Where are you at? Come on, we're lifting up our gates today. The King of Glory is flooding into our hearts to remind us that we are, I wish I could say it like Judah can. I love the fact that I, when I think of the victorious church, I actually think about Judah a lot now. The undisputed, undefeated, victorious church of the living God. Yeah. Come on. That's not just what, what we have. That's who we are. <laughs> if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you are walking in Him daily, you are the victorious bride of Christ. Yeah. You are the one that the King of glory will rush in 
for. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. You there with me? But as surely as God is faithful. Come on now. That's a great way to start a verse. We can pack it up and go home. As surely as God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In case you didn't know. Just want to let you know. Jesus Christ, Son of God. Who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy. Huh. Threefold team. Interesting. Was not yes and no, but in Him it has always been yes. Everybody say yes. Yes. Yeah, His promises are yes and amen. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm. Look at your neighbor and say, stand firm. firm. Come on, if you're here, if you're still here, guess what? You can stand firm because He's going to make you be able to stand firm. He anointed us. Everybody say anointed us. Anointed us. Woo! I need to be anointed today. We're going to close our time today in just a little while, and you're going to get anointed by the very King of glory. We're going to let His Spirit pour over us, and what you thought were wounds, you're going to realize are just, uh, they're just going to be scars to remind us of the battles we've been in. They may hurt now, but God is going to heal them and give us victory. Come on, lift up your gates today. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing. Everybody say guaranteeing. Guaranteeing. You ever made a guarantee that you couldn't keep? He hasn't. <laughs> ever had someone guarantee, I guarantee I will be there at such and such time, and then they not show up? You might guarantee that they were going to come through you and not fail. Pastor, I'm not going to fail. We're going to be with you bunch of liars (laughs) truthfully as a pastor that's usually the kiss of death we've heard people say we're with you and then within no amount of time they're gone the lord guarantees this folks so what do you need to do to inherit this guarantee of a promise you got to still be here (laughs) you can't go anywhere you can't close off the gates to him coming in you've got to let him move in your life turn to psalm 118 Can we just have some fun in this place today? Come on. Psalm 118. I figured if Jerusalem can be attacked 118 times, there might be something here for it. Actually, it has nothing to do with it. But Come on, look at verse 6. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is with me. Everybody just say that. The Lord is with me. You know when He's with you? Even when you don't feel like it. He's with you. Even when you think you are failing the Lord in the most miserable of ways, you are trying with all your might and you feel like you're on a treadmill and it's just going too fast. You're just losing ground. You feel like that with every blow, you've lost the the potency of what you can do. Can I encourage you? The Lord is with you. No one who puts their hope in the Lord will ever be put to shame. You know what the enemy tries to do? He tries to steal your confidence. He tries to make you forget that the Lord of creation... The King of glory is with you. How do we forget that? I don't know, but I do. That's why we need the Word of God to point us back towards truth. That's why we need to lift up our gates so that the King of glory may come in. The Lord is with me. What happens when the Lord is with you? I will not be afraid. Are you afraid of something today? You need to be reminded that the Lord is with you. What can man do to me? Do Do you realize that this is an interesting question? 
from what perspective are we talking? What can man do to you? They can attack us. They can take our money. They can take our life. What can man do to us? What, what is he saying? In comparison with the fact that the Lord is with me, <laughs> that I don't have to be afraid, what can you do to me? I'm already dead. I'm a dead man walking. What are you going to do? you got nothing that you can do to me because I've already given my life for the one I love. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper, my easer. I will look in triumph over my enemies. Come on now. We need to get some perspective that we're going to look in triumph over our enemies. That whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever mountain is in front of us, give us a shovel and we'll move the mountain. That victorious spirit needs to rise in each and every heart, not just the majority of hearts, my friends. Every heart in this place needs to understand this today. Let's look down at verse 13. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. You ever just start singing a song in your head? Get a song stuck in your head in the morning and you can't get it out? Don't start singing it. Because I don't want to hear what you, what you sing in the morning. <laughs> the Lord is my strength and my song. You've been feeling weak? Lift up your gates so that the King of glory can come in. Because He is your strength. He is your strength and your song. <laughs> Sometimes you get, you, you're fighting in a battle and you know what happens? Just fighting, 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 fighting. You're like, yeah, Lord, I need some strength but I also just need a song in my heart. <laughs> I just need, to, just need to whistle a little song here. I need to just have some own time in my own space, in my own head and heart, and I need you to be that song, Lord. It doesn't need to be filled with the ways of the world, Lord. I need to be reminded that all your promises are yes and amen. That the king of my heart can move in. He's never going to fail me. He will never let me down. Come on now. Sometimes we need a song to come up in our heart. He's my strength and my song. And what else is? He's become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteousness, of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Is that what is resounding in your tents this morning? The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. What has the Lord done in us in this last year? I don't even want to talk about the negative things. I don't even want to talk about our struggles today. I want us to be reminded that the Lord's right hand is lifted high in this place. That He's done mighty things in our midst. I don't know any church anywhere. I'm sure pastors, elders, I'm sure there are 7,000 somewhere across the face of this world who have done greater things than we can ever imagine. Praise God. I don't personally know any churches in the last 13 months who have raised up their own disciples and sent them to different continents. The Lord has done some mighty things in our midst. Amen? Amen. Anybody any better off this year than you were last year? Yes. 365 days ago, where were you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, think about where you are spiritually. Anybody, anybody better off? I'm better off. Yes. I've learned things this year. I've had God reveal things to me. I've grown in lots of ways. How about you? Has He done mighty things in your life or not? As a church, we've taken three trips to Turkey. 
six weeks in Turkey. We've taken a trip to Romania, uh, to Malaysia, to Kenya, two trips to Israel. We've gone into Iraq. We've had two trips to Peru. We've sent, just sent and launched Kim and Buddy and Julia in Peru. They are now in the house. That they are, they're, they're doing some work in the house. We got a video yesterday of them. Hey, pastors, here's our kitchen. It's not done, but here's the kitchen. Praise God. Incredible. Man, we talk to the Vincents every week. Brent and Teresa, we love you so much. We're so proud of what the Lord is doing there. We had a King's Harvest first trip to Mexico with us this year in July. We had a trip to Aguas Calientes to visit with some new, a new family, a new work. You know, as a result of that work, that church has doubled in size. People have been saved, healed, filled with the Spirit. It allowed a brother in Christ not to want to close the doors to the church. That's a victory, my friends. That's the Lord's right hand doing mighty works. We've had two trips to Indonesia. Count them. We've had a trip to India. We've had a one association conference in October. Incredible. What about your life? Just think for a second. Think about what the Lord has done in your life this year. Anybody, anybody got any revelation this year? Anybody learned anything in the Word of God? Anything. Just a little bit or a lot? Yeah, uh-huh. Is that special or not? Lord, spoken to you about direction for your life? How many of you men have gotten a mezuzah statement clarified this year? Raise your hand right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've got a dozen at least. Is that not a mighty thing? Because that's going to direct your entire family. That'll direct your entire lineage. That will direct the generations after you, men. Come on, that's not a small thing in this place. What if we take it from the idea of nations down to people? What about Cesar and Istanbul? What about Silatine and Tarsus? What about Paul and Kenya? What about Cesar and Aguas Calientes? Or Pastor Ramiro? What about Giri and Joe Jakarta? What about Roy and Coca Canyon? Come on. Come on now. Think, think for a minute. I want you to think about a name of somebody that the Lord has touched as a result of you talking to them this year. Come on now. Somebody that's been brought in the church and you saw them set free. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things in our midst today. Amen. Would you turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 22? Happy New Year. 2 Samuel 22, let's look at verse 31. Come on, somebody say, Pastor, we're still here. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one says this, As for God, His way is perfect. We're not going to be like those poor, timid souls that Job talks about. We're not going to accuse God of wrongdoing to make ourselves right. That's not the kind of people we are because His right hand has done mighty things. As for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is flawless. What a great word. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all to, who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength. There it is again, isn't it? God is my strength. God is the one who arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. 
How do you do that with a lot of battles and adversity? He makes your way complete. The idea that He will take every mountain and make it low and raise every valley up so that you have a straight path before you, I'm going to pose to you today that that's not ahead of time. You don't see the mountain getting crushed before you and the valley getting raised before you. You know what happens? Is you engage in the battle, you walk forward, you lift your eyes up, and as you go through the valleys and as you go through the mountains, you know what? You can look back and go, wow, that was level ground. Why? Because He's with you and He gave you the victory. No, it really was a mountain there before you got to it. But after you got done with it, there's no more mountain to speak of. That valley that you went through, that you thought was going to crush you, that you thought would stay there, you thought you would stay in the valley. You know what happens if we just keep going? Is we look back and like, wow, look what the Lord has done. I thought that was going to crush me. I thought I, I thought I didn't have enough strength to get over the top of that mountain. But here I stand looking back, and He made it into level ground for me. Amen. Come on now. His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is flawless. He is the rock. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. How do you get trained for battle, folks? Do you read a book? Do you talk about it for a little while? Do you feel feisty and you're getting trained for battle? Or do you, in fact, have to engage someone who is opposing you? Come on now. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. What can you judge between today that you couldn't judge between a year ago? Those difficult, impossible decisions that you had to make that now seem easy for you? Why? It's because He's training you how to bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. Come on, what kind of shield is that? You mean the shield of faith is a shield of victory? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You stoop down to make me great. Come on now. We don't go around talking like this, do we? Because that sounds arrogant. Our God stoops down to make us great. Okay. We're going to do it again. That was lame. Love you. That was lame. Our God stoops down to make us great. Okay, I want you to actually read it from the screen. You did, you did the way I let it. Our God stoops down to make me great. Oh. Feels a little bit different when you're saying us, doesn't it? It disperses that, yes, the Lord makes us great. How about you have a great walk with the Lord? How about you have a victory in your life? How about you punch the devil in his face? How about you advance against the gates of hell and it will not prevail or stop you from advancing where you need to be? How about we do it that way, folks? How about we trust that the Word of God is true? How about we quit living less than what God has put in our hearts? He's either giving us victory or he's not. The King of glory is either going to come in or he's not. Everybody say, we're still here. We're still here. Uh Yeah, we are. And we're making a difference in the kingdom. Amen? Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3. Praise God. Daniel chapter 3. I love the three Hebrew children. Three Hebrew men. Let's look in verse 16. Daniel 3, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Come on, you know you got to be full of the Lord, don't you? 
If you're going to look at someone who's accusing you about to throw you in the fire and say, yeah, I don't even need to defend myself. Man, that's got, that's got to be somebody full of the Holy Spirit. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And He will rescue us from your hand, O King. But even if He does not. We want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Hey, King, we're still going to be here doing exactly what we said we were going to do. Let's look down at verse 25. Uh, I'm sorry, 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. You guys know the story. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Listen to this. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. When you've been through a fire, you know what happens when you come out on the other side? Boy, it creates a stir, doesn't it? All kind of people want to come out and see what's going on. They saw that the fire, listen to this, had not harmed their bodies. Everybody say, harm their bodies. Nor was a hair of their head singed. No hair was singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. Are, are you all with me already? You, you already figured out where I'm going, right? You, you've already heard, even just reading through. I'm just going to read it again, and I'm going to let the Spirit of God minister to you. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. (laughs) Come on now. I look around at this church, and I see that we've been through some fires together. I see that the body wasn't harmed. I see that not a hair of their heads, not a part of the covering of the power of God was singed. I see that their robes were not... The righteous deeds that you have done, you know what the enemy can never do through battle after battle? The enemy cannot take and scorch your righteous deeds. Can't mess with your robes. Why? Because God has assigned those to you. Because you have worked and, and, and given them to the Lord as a sacrifice to Him. Your righteous deeds cannot be scorched and there's no smell of fire on you. Come on. Now that is a miracle. We look at it and we're like, yes, they made it through the fire. Yeah, but how did they make it through the fire? unscathed in any way. They didn't even smell like fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. Come on now. Are y'all with me today? Yes. What fires are you going through? You're worried that it's going to mark you forever. You're worried that it's going to singe your hair. You're worried that your robes are going to get consumed. What you've done, what you've worked for for the Lord is not going to count. It's just going to get burned up. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. And for sure, at least, I mean, I'm going to come through this and still have the remnants of something that I once went through. Not when the Lord's with you. Not a smell of smoke on you. I'm trying to let it sit, my friends. I could talk a lot, but I feel like the Lord is, is illuminating that to some folks here. Come on, what fires have you been through? that when the Lord of glory comes in, you get to walk out on the other side. All the people who had thrown you in come around and examine you. And you know what they find? They find something far greater than they could have ever imagined. Not just mere survival, but victory in every way. We're not asking you to get to a point of surviving. 
We hope that you make it until the next time we see you. We hope that your obstacles don't overcome you today. That's why people go through the ridiculous ideas of making it a Friday every day. Why? Because they don't think you can handle it. <laughs> you can handle it. The King of Glory is with us. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Come on, are you convinced yet? Are, are you with me in this? No amount of turmoil. No amount of difficulty. No amount of adversity. No amount of fire. Not even death can keep you from victory if you just stay where you're at. We're still here. If you can just endure, there's nothing that can do this. How are we going to fill the earth how are we going to subdue it? How are we going to male and kibosh the earth? Unless we're fighting through difficulties. Unless we're walking through the fires that He gives us. Unless we do these things and come out on the other side victorious. This is the definition of victory. That we're still here. That we can still move forward in the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. You with me? Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day by day by day. Come on, some of us need to be renewed in this place today. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for... Wait a minute. Light and momentary. Come on, everybody say light and momentary. When do you have the perspective that it's light and momentary? After the fact, right? Come on, none of us have it. It doesn't feel light and momentary. That's why the Scripture needs to be in our lives. Because right now it feels crushing and depressing. It feels difficult, overwhelming. The Bible says they're light and momentary. You know why? Because when you look back on them after you've conquered them, you feel a lot different about it, don't you? Come on now, this is true. This is real for us today. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. It allows the King of glory to come in that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. How many of us have ever gotten our eyes on the wrong thing? I just wanted to see if you were still listening. That should be everybody. How many of us go ahead and need to go ahead and lift up our heads and realize that the victory is at hand? Yeah, but pastor, I'm not completely done with the obstacle. Yeah, but the victory's at hand. <laughs> what kind of faith does it require for you to only get on the other side and see that there was victory? I'm going to say that we have victory even before we get there. I'm going to say that your job situation is going to work out right even before it's worked out. We have a lot of people that are praying about their living situation. I'm going to go ahead and say we've already got the victory in that. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand the timing. But you don't, yeah, I don't have to. I'm saying you've already got the victory. We're just going to walk this out correctly. Maybe today it's not so much that you're questioning that, but you're like the father in Mark chapter 9 that says, Lord, I do believe. Just help me where I don't believe. Help me in my unbelief, Lord. Think about Paul for a minute as we get ready to close because I want us to get back into worship. I want us to experience this because we can only talk about it so much. We can only do so much talking, right? That's not how we train for battle. We train for battle by battling. 
We train for a victorious spirit by operating in a victorious spirit today. Think about Paul. What do you think about? When I think about Paul, I think about divine revelation that we're still learning from today. You realize he was beat with 39 lashes five times? Three shipwrecks? Stranded in an ocean overnight? I mean, do you realize the, the things that happened? He was in trouble in rivers with bandits in the sea from his own people, from the Gentiles. He was in trouble all the time. But you don't look at Paul and go, man, what a difficult thing. You look at an overcomer in every way. We're still reaping the benefits of that kind of overcoming spirit. It's almost like that the one who's in us is greater than the one that's in the world, right? 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 5 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. John 16, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Everybody say peace. peace. Yeah, the biblical kind of peace. Where you've got to seek peace and pursue it. Where you've got to go after it. I've told you these things so that in the world you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart because he has overcome the world. And he is inside of us. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2. Just a few more scriptures and then we're going to close together. And we're going to rise in a victorious heart with a victorious spirit and let the Spirit of God... We're going to lift up our gates today and let the King of glory come in. John chapter 2, look at verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise. Look at verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Come on, if we're going to be an overcoming church, this is the promise that the Lord has set. Look at verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. Everybody say hidden manna. Hidden Come manna. on now. I will also give him a white stone with a new name. Almost like Jacob getting a new name, becoming Israel. With a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Let's look at verse 26. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end. Come on, it's almost like if you, if you can say, Lord, I'm still here. You're going to overcome. There's an overcoming spirit that is rising in this place today. I will give him authority over the nations. Come on, you want to have authority over the nations? We're worried about having authority over our kids. <laughs> we're, having, we're worried about having the authority to get a job. We're about an authority to find a place to live. He's going to give you authority over the nations. Let's walk in the victory that He has for us. Look in verse chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out His name from the book of life, but will acknowledge His name before my Father and His angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Look in verse 12 of that same chapter, chapter 3. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. You know, I think just a few months ago, Pastor Eric had a vision about pillars in this church. Some of you came up to me and said, Pastor, I want to be a pillar. How do we do that? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Apparently, the Word of God instructs us that if you overcome, He's going to make you into a pillar. 
you didn't get that. It's okay. I'm going to go back and get it. If you want to be a pillar in the house of the Lord, you know what you have to do? You have to overcome, and He makes you the pillar that you desire to be. You want to be a pillar in this house? Walk in the overcoming power of God. <laughs> There's no victims here, because we are more than conquerors, aren't we? Everybody's like, because there are no victims here. Amen. Come on now. Look at verse 21. Did we read this one? To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Shut it down. How many of you need encouragement today? How many of you need to walk in victory today? That's exactly what we're talking about. Turn to Romans chapter 8 as we get ready to close. (laughs) Saints such as these. Golly. Overcoming Spirit of God upon us. I was reading about a saint recently. The saint was alive in the 1800s, had been through the fire in Chicago and it decimated his business. He had already lost a child to sickness of the day. He and his family were going to go transatlantic, going across to France. They boarded the ship and this saint of God realized that they were having trouble in the business and he needed to stay. He was going to follow a few days later. As they were embarking on this trip, his wife and his four daughters were on the boat and somewhere over the Atlantic, they ran into another ship and the, and the boat began to sink. As they're going forward, only the wife was left. This man lost four daughters. The wife sent a telegram back to her husband and these were the few words that it says. Saved alone. What shall I do? A saint like this got on a ship to head to his wife. As they crossed the spot in the ocean where the ship had sunk, the crew came and got the man and said, we want you to know, dear sir, that this, this here is the spot. Wow. What kind of fire this man must have been going through. He penned some words in that moment. When peace like a river attendeth my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Saints such as these are what we're raising in this place. This family went on to have more children. They were accused of having the wrath of God upon them. Because they lost their business. They lost their home. They lost their children. Saints like this 
who can just say we're still here and keep moving forward. You know where he ended his life? In the city of Jerusalem. He moved to Jerusalem at a British, as a British-controlled area in the country before it was a country again. Deciding that the difficulties in his life gave him the victorious power to go minister to Jews and Muslims alike. How sits it with your soul today, my friends? What difficulties have you engaged in? I tell you that story so that you may be a saint like this dear one. Who can say, it is well with my soul regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the pain, because I serve a victorious God and I will continue. The enemy may come against me and try to light my life on fire, but what will happen is I will come out unscathed and I will make him pay dearly for the adversity that he has brought into my life. Are you going to make the enemy pay dearly for what he's done? (laughs) Romans chapter 8, in our final passage here, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? That doesn't make much sense in the natural, does it? If God is for us, what mountain can be before us? No, there's going to be mountains before you. What valleys may you have to traverse? No, there's going to be valleys. This is almost like a Calve Comer argument in reverse. He doesn't do the light and then the heavy here. He just says the heavy and be like, it does, the rest of it doesn't even matter. If God is for you, if you've already got the victory, then what does it matter what you have to go through? It's just a matter of time. The only thing that can keep you from it is that if you decide, I just don't want to be here anymore. If God is for us, who can be against us? He, didn't, he who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. <laughs> we learned earlier that it's God who vindicates. It's God who vindicates and justifies and strengthens and enables. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Does it do your heart good today to know that the King of all creation is interceding for you? That you may not lose heart, that you may not retreat, but that you may lift up your gates, that you may lift up your gaze today, that He may come in? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to, the, to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced. Everybody say, I am convinced. I am convinced. My goal today is to make you convinced. And if you're not convinced because of the words... We're going to stand and the Spirit of God is going to convince you right now. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you stand to your feet today?